There is much debate concerning the timing of the Lord's return and the millennial reign. Do you believe in dispensational premillennialism, historical premillennialism, postmillennialism, amillennialism, preterism, partial preterism, pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib rapture? See what I mean? Well, we'll analyze these different viewpoints on this edition of the End Time Show. There are many different beliefs concerning the timing of the Lord's return and the millennial reign, and it can get confusing, can it? I mean, you've been through, you've studied this stuff, right? 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, For God is not the author of confusion, and therefore the Bible, the Word of God, provides the answers so there are no gray areas here. So let's define some of these terms and make sure that we all understand what's going to happen and then we'll lay out a scenario as we go along. First, the rapture is the event where the Lord will come in the clouds and send His angels with the sound of a great trumpet to gather the saints up to Him, both those that are in the grave and those that are alive and remain. And it's at this time when the saints will be changed from mortal beings to immortal beings, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Well, with that said, a pre-tribulation rapture is defined as the rapture of the church will occur before the great tribulation. People that believe in a mid-tribulation rapture, they believe that the rapture occurs halfway through a, the tribulation period. They believe the tribulation is a seven-year period, uh, and we'll get to that uh, in a moment. And then people that believe in a post-tribulation rapture believe that the rapture of the church occurs immediately after the great tribulation. Now, I don't have time really on today's program to go into a great in-depth at the length of the tribulation and different things, but we know Scripture teaches that there is only a three-and-a-half-year tribulation period. There is a final seven-year period, but only the final three-and-a-half years of that is <clears throat> the Great Tribulation. Now, there is another belief system. The word uh, preterism means past. So essentially, preterists believe that the prophecies of the Bible have all been fulfilled. Full preterists teach that all the prophecies, including the second coming, you can see how this can become confusing, right? So including the second coming were fulfilled back in 70 A.D. Partial preterists believe all the prophecies of the book of Revelation have been fulfilled up through Revelation 19. But when Christians discuss the, their millennial views, the 1,000-year millennial reign, they are speaking of their interpretation of the, um, according to some, a much debated passage in Revelation chapter 20, verse 1 through 10. Now, to me, it's not debated. It's, to me, it's easily understood. 
But there are a lot of different viewpoints on different the timing and what happens in all of this. So Revelation chapter 20, verse 1 says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. Verse 2 says, And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. Now this event occurs at the end of the battle of Armageddon, when the Lord comes back. It goes on to say, And he cast him into the bottomless pit, and he shut him up. And he set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the one thousand years should be fulfilled. We're talking about the millennium here. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark in their forehead or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until that thousand years was finished. This is the first resurrection. Those that went through the time of the great tribulation and did not take the mark of the beast, they went in the first resurrection, which is one of the ways we know that the rapture occurs immediately after the tribulation period. Verse 6 of Revelation 20 says, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, on such the second death hath no power. But these individuals who went in the first resurrection, they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him for that thousand-year millennial reign. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan is going to be loosed out of his prison. He will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth. One more time, Gog and Magog, he's referring to Russia here, to gather them to ba back together to battle, the number of whom is as the sands of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And there's not going to be a war at that time. They will come to do battle, but God's just done. No more battle. He just consumes them with a fire from heaven. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast, where the Antichrist and the false prophet had been thrown a thousand years prior, because this is at the end of the 1,000 year millennial reign, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now, folks, it's very important that we understand the timing and, the, and what happens during this end time scenario that we're all going to live through. And so I wanted to clear up many of these, um, some misconceptions today and some misinterpretations because the Bible, again, God is not the author of confusion. The Bible's crystal clear, but it's us sometimes that get our, uh, you know, ideologies off a little bit. So we're going to go to the scriptures today and we're going to make sure what the scriptures say. Now, according to the Blue Letter Bible, there are four main eschatological belief systems concerning the return of Jesus and the millennial reign. And then there is the preterist view that I talked about, and then the pre-mid and post-trib rapture. But when we're talking about the millennium here, 
we're talking about, um, we would start off with the dispensational premillennialist. What millennialist? What do they believe? Well, we're going to come up to a break here in a minute. I don't want to cut this short, so I want to make sure that we all uh, get all of these because they're very important. It's caused a lot of confusion if you go to the internet or you try to study these. Some people will say, well, I believe this, I believe this. But what we want to know today is what does the Bible say? Because the Bible lays it out perfectly. There is no confusion. There are no two or three mindsets. The Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's what we're looking for on today's program. They that understand what is taking place will instruct many. Except a man is born again, he can enter or see the kingdom of God. I don't care what label you've been given or what label you've given yourself, you are essential. You still matter. This is a journey, and when we get to the other side of that, that's where our prize is, that's where our reward is. End time is not going anywhere. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to endtime.com future or call 800-END-TIME. That's 800-363-8463. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End of the Age television and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or visit endtime.com slash events for more information. Dispensational premillennialists believe that Christ will come before a seven-year period of intense tribulation to take His church, living and dead, into heaven. And after that period of fulfillment of divine wrath, that He will then return to, to rule from a, a holy city, the New Jerusalem, over the earthly nations for 1,000 years. After those 1,000 years, Satan will, Satan who was bound up during Christ's earthly reign, will be loosed to deceive the nations and gather an army of the deceived and take up the battle against the Lord. This battle will end in both the judgment of the wicked and Satan and the entrance into the eternal state of glory by the righteous. And this view is called premillennialism because it places the 
the return of Christ before the millennium and it is called dispensational because it is founded in the doctrines of dispensationalism. Now, similar to that, not exact, but similar is historical premillennialists. And they place the return of, of Christ just before the millennium and just after the time of a great apostasy and tribulation. After the millennium, they say Satan will be loosed and Gog and Magog will rise up against the kingdom of God and this will be the Im immediately followed by the final judgment. Now you can see how these can just, man, you can kind of get twisted when you start going through all these different um, ideologies, right? But there is a correct one and we're going to get to that in just a moment. So the post-millennialist, they believe that the millennium is an era not, not a literal thousand years, during which Christ will reign over the earth, not from a literal or earthly throne, but through the gradual increase of the gospel and its power to change lives. And after this gradual, uh, let's say, a Christianization of the world, Christ will return and immediately usher the church into their eternal state after judging the wicked. And this is called post-millennialism because, because of its view, Christ will return after the millennium. And then you have the amillennialists. The amillennialist believes that the kingdom of God was inaugurated at Christ's resurrection, at which point he gained victory over both Satan and the curse and that Christ is even now reigning over His church. After this present age has ended, Christ will return and immediately usher the church into their eternal state after judging the wicked. And the term amillennialism is actually a misnomer because it implies that Revelation 20 verses 1 through 6 is ignored. And in fact, the amillennialists, hermeneutic interprets it and in fact, much of apocalyptic literature, non-literally. So you say, wow, that was a mouthful, Dave. Yeah, it actually is. And you can see all the different views on the, the timing of the rapture, the second coming, the what's the millennium and the timing of all of that. Maybe it's already passed and maybe we're already living through it and at the end and how does all this play out? Well, that's what I wanted to focus on today because we're, we're going to live through these things. And I wanted to make sure you had uh, a, a, um, the, the, the correct biblical interpretation of all of this. Now, the Bible's crystal clear on the events that are in front of us and the timing of it all. So, here we go. The end time scenario from a biblical perspective. All the way back in Daniel 9, 27, 2,500 years ago, it prophesies that the Antichrist will confirm a covenant with many for a final seven-year period. That final seven-year period is Daniel's 70th week. That, the entire prophecy is a 490-year prophecy from Daniel 9, 24 through 27. And this peace agreement, it's going to be an Israeli-Palestinian peace agreement, this accord will be a confirmation of God's covenant with Abraham 
that Israel would always have a homeland in their promised land. It's all the way back in Genesis 15, 18. So when you see this prophesied peace agreement, then you can know assuredly that the final seven years to the battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ has begun. It's very important that you understand the, the tribulation period. There's no difference in the tribulation and the great tribulation. There's Jesus prophesied of a great tribulation. There is a final seven year period, but the great tribulation is the final three and one half years of that. Okay? So when we're talking about all these, all these different definitions of the timing and the, the millennial reign and when does everything happen, it's important that you understand these key points. Now, when the final seven years begins, Revelation chapter 11, verse 1 and 2, says that the Temple Mount in Jerusalem will be placed under a sharing arrangement between Jews and Muslims the Jewish people are going to be allowed to build their third temple. That's found in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and in Revelation 11, 1 and 2. They're going to build their third temple on the Temple Mount. This, that, the prophecies always come to pass, so this is going to happen. Okay. Now, when the temple is completed, animal sacrifices will be resumed, that's why it's very important. We've been talking about the red heifer lately and the ones that were delivered to Israel last September. They need a red heifer to be able to, to establish the sacrifices like they did in the Old Testament. Now they have four red heifers. So uh, we know that these animal sacrifices will be, will be resumed. That's Daniel 9.27, just as they did in the Old Testament. And the offering of these animal sacrifices in the temple that's going to quickly escalate into a world crisis. I mean, they're going to be offering an animal morning and evening. And the animal rights activist will demand that the Antichrist stop the slaughter of those animals. And this dispute over the animal sacrifices is going to quickly lead to an event called, in the Bible, the abomination of desolation. Now, once we reach the middle of this final seven-year period, now we're three and a half years in, these prophetic fulfillments are going to rapidly increase because with many events happening simultaneously, the first of these events will be the stopping of these sacrifices at the abomination of desolation. If you go to Daniel 11.31, it foretells this event. The Bible says, this is referring to the Antichrist. The Bible says, in arms shall stand on his part, and they, the Antichrist and his partners, shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. And believe me, we will be on the radio and TV and in our End Time magazine, and we will be writing articles saying, look at what's going on right now. Everybody pay attention. We're three and a half years in. Okay? because we're following these prophecies. We've been doing it for decades now. Now, it appears that the stopping of the sacrifices and the abomination of desolation will occur at the same time. Apparently, the Antichrist is going to explain that the sacrifices, they're no longer needed because He is the Messiah and God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4 states that He will sit in the temple of God claiming to be God 
And in this passage, the Apostle Paul described this event as the revealing of the man of sin, the Antichrist. This will be when we can come on the radio and television, write articles in our End Time magazine all over the website and say, hey, this man is the Antichrist. He's the one. We can't do that right now. But there will come a time when the Bible says he is revealed. And that's when we can shout it from the rooftops, right? Now, simultaneous with the abomination of desolation, there's going to be a war in heaven. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, and Revelation 12, 7 through 10, both of these are referring to the exact same event. Michael and his angels defeat Satan and his angels, confining them to the earth. Revelation 12, 12 says, hey, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you having great wrath. It's very important that we understand the wrath here, Satan's wrath is the great tribulation. The great tribulation is not the wrath of God. That's in Revelation 16. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But the great tribulation is the wrath of Satan. This has caused so much confusion over the years and got so many people off that the wrath of God is the great tribulation. But that's a total misinterpretation of Scripture. So the Bible says that the, Satan, the devil has come down into you having great wrath because he knows that he hath but a short time. The Bible says here that he persecutes the woman, which in, the, the, in uh, Revelation 12, the woman with 12 stars around her head is Israel. And, the, and it goes on down in the chapter, and those that have the testimony of Jesus Christ. The great tribulation is the persecution of the church and of Israel by Satan and the Antichrist and his world governing armies. Now, the Bible says he persecutes the woman for time, times, and half a times. So this is the beginning of the, the three and one half years of the great tribulation when Satan will persecute Israel and the true church of Jesus Christ. This is the same tribulation that Jesus spoke of in Matthew 24, 15 through 21. Once this abomination of desolation occurs up on the Temple Mount, when the Antichrist will claim to be God himself standing in the temple, Jesus warned that the Jews living in Judea, which would be the, some people call it the modern day West Bank, but Jesus warned them specifically, the Jews living in Judea, that they would have to flee into the mountains. Why? Because in verse 21 he says, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world, to this time no nor ever shall be. So, and again, End Time Ministries is going to have a great part in warning the Jews because the Jews don't study uh, the book of Matthew, right? They don't study the New Testament prophecies. So somebody's going to have to warn them. And that's one of the things that we have uh, these efforts established to do just that from now until the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, in the midst of all this chaos, God is going to send His two witnesses. Now, remember, we're in the final three and one half years of this final seven-year period. The final seven years is not great tribulation. The great tribulation is only the final three and one half years. There's not one scripture in the Bible for a seven-year great tribulation. There are no scriptures for that. But there are many scriptures that talk about a three and one half year tribulation. The Bible refers to it as 
time times and half a time or the dividing of time, that's three and a half years. 42 months, that's three and a half years. And 1260 days, that's three and a half years. So in the midst of all this chaos, during the three and a half, at the beginning of the three and a half years, God is going to send His two witnesses. This is Revelation chapter 11, verse 3. They're going to begin their ministry. When Satan is marching out his two imps, the Antichrist and the false prophet, God will march out his two men of God, and they will begin their ministries. And this is um, the last 1260 days, the Bible says. It's the last three and one half years immediately preceding the second coming of Jesus Christ in the Battle of Armageddon. During the last half of the final seven years, many events are going to occur, to occur that are setting the stage for the Battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Uh, Anti-Semitism is going to be rampant throughout the world. And boy, is that ramping up now, right? Setting the stage for another Jewish Holocaust that's coming. And of course, the international community is against Israel and has already passed resolutions against them. UN Security Council Resolution 2334, which says Israel's occupation of East Jerusalem and the West Bank region is a flagrant violation of international law in the eyes of the international community. That's as anti-Semitic as you can get, folks. God gave them that land. But the United Nations is anti-Semitic. And all of this is setting the stage for the battle of Armageddon when the nations of the world will invade Israel and God will come back to rescue her. So, it's at this time, at the three and a half years, that the Antichrist will, uh, and the false prophet will fully implement the economic system known as the Mark of the Beast. That's Revelation 13, 16 through 18. And wow, are we seeing that? We're seeing precursors to that, right? Central bank digital currencies, global central bank digital currencies tying in the uh, central banks of the world all together to be able to roll out these central bank digital currency systems. The International Monetary Fund, the Bank for International Settlements, they're all talking about it. Christine Lagarde just recently said that at a Bank for International Settlements meeting that we don't, we're not going to be, the central banks aren't going to be the ones that program these central bank digital currencies, but that will be the commercial banks that everybody has their bank accounts with. They're going to be, these central bank digital currencies are going to be programmable. They'll be able to control what you buy or sell. These are things that are precursors leading up, us up to the time when the mark of the beast will be doled out. So it's going to be economic control. And it's something that will happen during the final three and one half years of that final seven years, which will be the great tribulation. The Antichrist and the false prophet will only rule for three and one half years. Then the second coming will occur and the battle of Armageddon, and then we'll get off into the millennial reign when we come back. But oh, won't that be a day when the Lord returns to take us all to be with the Him. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ part two, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding 
Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online with End Time Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. Welcome back, everybody. And in this segment, we're continuing to lay out the end time scenario. So that because there are so many, there are people that believe in a pre-trib rapture, a post-trib rapture, a mid-trib rapture, a, a, you know, post-millennialism and historic uh, pre-millennialist and all these different things and um, preterism and partial preterism. And you say, I, I'm just so confused. Well, the Bible is crystal clear, and it lays out a very specific end-time scenario here. And so that's what we're going through. I'm giving you scriptures for everything we're talking about to make sure that you get it. So right here, we've, came, we've come to the final three and one-half years, immediately preceding the second coming of Jesus Christ and the Battle of Armageddon. We're halfway through this final seven-year period, Daniel 70 weeks. The peace agreement starts the final seven years. During the first three and a half years, the temple is built. Sacrifices are resumed. Halfway through, the Antichrist stops the sacrifices, stand in a rebuilt Jewish temple, proclaims to be God. Then the Antichrist usurps authority over a fully functioning world governing body. Whoever the Pope is at the time of the Antichrist will be the false prophet, and they will be in complete alliance with each other and run the world government and the world religion. It's going to be the revived Holy Roman Empire prophesied about all the way back in the book of Daniel and in the book of Revelation, this union of politics and religion in the end time. But the Antichrist will need a method of control. How can he get the populace of the world to, con to fully pledge allegiance to his edicts? Well, the Bible says he's going to use economic sanctioning or economic control that's what's going to be used to force the citizens of the world to comply with the dictates of this one world government and the one world religion. And folks, we're seeing this happening right now. Central bank digital currencies, global numbering system, moving away from cash and onto a fully digital platforms. Cash or shekels or rubles, all of that is freedom. It's something that you can get out of the bank and go by whatever you want, and the government can't control what you do. It's freedom. However, a digital currency would be absolute control. That's what it could lead to by the international banking system. 
where if you have your accounts with a, a central bank or commercial banks that are tied into a central bank, just like Justin Trudeau did up in Canada with the bankers when they were um, protesting against the vaccines and different things up in Canada and the mask mandates and all these other things, he froze their bank accounts. It was economic sanctioning to get those people to bow down to the will of the Canadian government. Well, that's exactly what the, that's a precursor to what's coming. That's what the Antichrist will want to do, to economically sanction individuals. But it's only possible if you have a, if you're on a digital platform. If those people had gold at home in the closet, the government couldn't have done anything, could they? Now, I'm not saying go out and buy gold. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm just saying it, cash is freedom. And so, but we're watching these things happening around the world. Global numbering systems with ID2020 with the United Nations, ID40 with the World Bank, numbering all the people on the earth. It's already happening. Now, they haven't received marks in the right hand or in their forehead, but who knows how that will play out. It's going to happen. Will it be a card? Will it be your fingerprints and a retinal scan? I don't know how that's going to work at this point. Believe me, I've got my eyes on it. We do here at End Time Ministries. But it's very important. These things are co coming to pass just like the Bible says they will. The Bible lays all this out for us. So in this final three and one half years, the Antichrist will usurp authority over an already fully functioning world governing body. He's only going to have three and a half years to reign. So he's not going to have time to establish a world government in that three and a half years. He's going to usurp authority over a world government that has already been established. That's already been established. The United Nations is the seat of that world governing body. The World Health Organization, World Trade Organization, the International Criminal Court, International Monetary Fund, all of these things are designed, the World Health Organization, they're all designed to manage the planet, the earth, not just a nation, but the world. Now, in the end time here, when we're talking about this final three and one half years, the plan will be to give everyone on earth their own unique identification number that, they, that will be necessary to function in society. If any individual does not submit, like the truckers in Canada, and obey and pledge allegiance to the Antichrist and his supreme authority, that person's number will be invalidated. That person's bank account will be frozen. That person's central bank digital currency will be programmed to make any purchase invalid. You see how close this stuff is? It's happening. This wasn't even possible before the invention of the computer and the internet and now blockchain technologies. So the anti uh, an individual will not be permitted to hold a job or to participate in the global economy without having this identification number or the mark. All the while though, God's two witnesses, you say, well, how are we going to function? How are we going to eat? God will make a way. I'm going to trust God. The Bible says God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Folks, we're going to trust God through all of this. But isn't it awesome to see this entire end time scenario laid out perfectly 
throughout the scriptures of the Bible. I don't have to guess. Well, let me see. Uh, did the Lord come 2,000 years ago? Or is he going to come 10,000 years from now? Or uh, how's all this going to play out? Uh, you know, I don't have to guess at that. I know from the scriptures of the Bible, the Bible gives us scenarios and different prophecies that will be occurring just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's where we're at right now. So all the while, during this mark of the beast, God's two witnesses, remember Revelation 11, 3 through 12, gives a prophecy of the two witnesses in their ministry. They're going to be prophesying, performing miracles, smiting the earth with plagues. They're going to be a thorn in the eye of the Antichrist. However, at the end of their ministry, the Antichrist and his world governing system is going to kill those two individuals. And their bodies will lie in the streets of Jerusalem for three and a half days. Now, while the internet, they're going to be laying there while the international media broadcasts the entire incident to the world. But after three and one half days are finished, the Lord is going to raise them from the dead and call them up to heaven while the entire world watches in amazement. You think that's not going to be on television? Absolutely it will be. It's going to be all, it will absolutely go viral on the internet. Now, at the end of this seven-year period, two of the most recognizable prophecies in the entire Bible will take place. The Battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ. At the very end of the Great Tribulation, the seven vials, these plagues of the wrath of God. It's very important again, because remember I said the Great Tribulation is not the wrath of God. That's the wrath of Satan, which he will carry out through the Antichrist and his world governing body and the false religion and the false prophet. But the Bible says in Revelation 16, now we come to the seven vials of the wrath of God. Now this is the wrath of God. Those will be poured out. That's found in Revelation 16, verses 1, all the way down through uh, verse 21. The first vial of the wrath of God is poured out on those who received the mark of the beast during the tribulation period. And then when the sixth vial is poured out, there are seven total, when the sixth vial is poured out, the great river Euphrates is dried up in preparation for the kings of the east to make their way down toward Israel for the battle of Armageddon. Now, we've talked about the Ataturk Dam and, uh, that is up in Turkey that has the ability to raise the gates and to shut off the flow of the Euphrates River. The Bible says when a lot of people have made comments about, um, the, the, you saw articles recently about the Euphrates River drying up. That's not what this is referring to. There have been pockets of the Euphrates River that have been drying up and refilling for years, decades now. But there will come a time, the Bible says, when the sixth vial is poured out, that it will be dried up. And it, it will be so dried up that the world governing armies are able to come across that to make their way down to Israel to battle. That happens at the sixth vial, which is in the future now. It's not happening right now. Now, once the sixth vial is poured out, listen at this scripture very closely because when we talk about the timing of things, the timing of the rapture and the second coming, did it happen 2,000 years ago? 
Or when will these things happen? Because there's confusion on all of this, right? But God's not the author of confusion. God doesn't give six or eight or ten or even two different end-time scenarios. God gives one end-time scenario, and it lays all this stuff out in great detail. So, we're going through the vials of the wrath of God here. You can read this for yourself. Once the sixth vial is poured out, we come to Revelation chapter 16, verse 15. And it gives a last-minute warning to the inhabitants of the earth. It says, Behold, I come as a thief. Now, hold, throw on the brakes right there. When did the, the Apostle Paul, what did he say? He said, You guys know very well the coming of the Lord comes as a thief in the night, right? The rapture comes as a thief in the night. But Jesus told us right here, the Bible says in Revelation 16, 15, John saw a vision that in Revelation 16, 15, after the sixth vial of the wrath of God, the Bible says, Behold, I come as a thief. That only happens one time in the near future. It didn't happen seven years prior to the Battle of Armageddon happening. It happens right there at the Battle of Armageddon. Read Revelation 16 for yourself. Go down to verse 15. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Now, folks, that's the rapture. I don't have to sit here and guess and wonder and scratch my head and debate and worry. I don't have anxiety. I know exactly when it's going to happen. The battle of Arme the uh, vials of the wrath of God happen immediately after the tribulation of those days. We know that because the first vial occurs and is poured out upon those who receive the mark of the beast during the tribulation. So then the, the vials of the wrath of God occur, and in verse 15, it says, Behold, I come as a thief. It's right there, Revelation 16, 15. That's when the rapture occurs. Then in verse 16, the very next verse, the Bible says, and this is ominous, the Bible says, And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. So the seven vials of the wrath of God are located in Revelation chapter 16. And these occur at the very end of the Great Tribulation. We know this because, again, the first vial, this is, this is just, it's very easy to see. A lot of people get, are, are getting very confused. They, they try to figure out the book of Revelation. They're, oh, I just, I can't figure all this stuff out. But look at the timing. The first vial, when's the mark of the beast poured out? During the Great Tribulation, the final three and one half years of that final seven years. And we know that this, the, the vials of the wrath of God occur at the very after the Great Tribulation because the first vial is poured out upon those who receive the mark of the beast during the Great Tribulation. Now, we have, I don't have time to go through all the seven vials of the wrath of God. If you would like a conclusive explanation of that, we've got a DVD that you can purchase, The Seven Vials of the Wrath of God. Now, for a conclusive explanation of the seven vials of the wrath of God, purchase the DVD, The Seven Vials. You can do that by calling 1-800-END-TIME, 
1-800-363-8463 or visit www.endtime.com. Well, that brings us to the Battle of Armageddon. Zechariah 14.2, the Bible says that the, um, well, it says that they're, they're going to invade Israel. You know, at that time, the United Nations, their armies are going to invade Israel. The Bible says, for I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. Well, Revelation 16.16 says the battle begins in the plain of Megiddo, in the northern part of Israel. It's where, the, it's where the armies throughout the Bible invaded Jerusalem. They would come down the plain of Megiddo. This is where the battle of Gideon and the Midianites was fought. Come down in Megiddo, go down through the Jordan Valley, all the way up into Jerusalem. So, in Revelation 16, 16, the battle begins up in the plain of Megiddo. The Bible says he gathered them together in a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. But it's not going to end there. It's going to end in Jerusalem. Israel is going to fight against the invading armies of the Antichrist and his world government. But she's going to slowly fall back down the Jordan Valley before the superior firepower of these united forces. Imagine the world against Israel. Finally, Israel's going to make her last stand at the capital, Jerusalem. And the, the, the battle is going to culminate right there, if you've ever been to Israel, between the Temple Mount and the Mount of Olives. There's a big valley called the Kidron Valley. You can go look it up on the internet. Look up the pictures of the Kidron Valley or the Valley of Jehoshaphat. Look that up and you can see that giant valley. That's where the, battle, the, the final battle on earth is going to culminate right up in that valley at the gates of Jerusalem. But it's at that time that half of Jerusalem is going to be captured by the UN armies. Zechariah 14.2 says, And the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity. And the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. So half of Jerusalem is going to fall to the United Nations forces. And this is why when we say that the, there are precursors leading us up to the Battle of Armageddon, when you see now that the United Nations is totally anti-Israel, anti-Semitic, and they've already passed resolutions that say Israel's occupation in East Jerusalem where the Holy Basin is, where the Temple Mount is, they're saying their occupation of that and the West Bank is illegal in the eyes of the international community. They're setting the stage for this battle that will occur when they will invade Israel to enforce resolutions like this. Israel will never bow down to the edicts of the Antichrist. And that's why he will invade her in the end. It will be Satan's last ditch effort to overthrow God. And guess who wins, everybody? God wins every time. Well, I'm thankful for that, aren't you? Now, at this time, half of Jerusalem, they're going to fall to these UN armies, but it's going to appear that Israel's on the verge of being wiped off the map. She's facing annihilation here. And Israel is going to cry out for her long-awaited Messiah. The Jews understand uh, the prophecies in Zechariah when the Lord would come back as a conquering king and fight as he did in the day of battle. They, they, they look to those messianic prophecies of this conquering king that will come. Now, 
They don't pay a whole lot of attention to the ones that said he would be a suffering servant. And they'll need to do that before it's over with. But the Jews, they understand the prophecies of a conquering king. So they know if when they're about to get wiped out, the world governing armies are just shelling them. They're going to cry out for their Messiah. So let me ask you a question. Do you know what happens when you call on the Messiah? The Bible says, the day you seek me with your whole heart, I will be found of you. The Lord shows up, doesn't he? At, your, at the time of your most desperate need, when you cry on the Lord, cry to the Lord, he will come and meet you. He's done it to me over and over and over throughout my life. Thousands of times for my friends, family, all of our sphere of influence, pastors, friends of mine, missionaries, evangelists, I've heard so many stories where the Lord showed up just in the nick of time. Well, that's what's going to happen to Israel. The Lord will not forsake Israel. So, Jesus is going to descend onto the Mount of Olives. Uh, if you go to Zechariah 13, uh, 14, 3 through 4, it says, Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. His feet will stand in that day on the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives is going to cleave in the midst thereof towards the east and towards the west. There's going to be a great earthquake. And there's going to be uh, this great valley. And half of the mountain shall move towards the north, half towards the south. And it's at that time Jesus will come back to the earth and fight for the nation of Israel. He's going to defeat the world governing armies. The Bible says in, in Revelation 11, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. No more world government. No more governments of the nations. He's going to defeat those governments. He's going to defeat those armies, remove all human governments, and establish His long-promised kingdom of God on the earth. Now, what are we talking about today? We're talking about the end-time scenario in, given in this book. And once you understand these prophecies, once you get the interpretations right, you can lay this thing out in great detail. Now, the Jews expect their Messiah to come to the Mount of Olives. They understand Zechariah. In, in the middle of their fighting, the soldiers of all the armies, they're going to see Jesus Christ descend from the, Mount of, from the heavens onto the Mount of Olives with His armies behind Him. Guess who that's going to be? It's going to be you and me. If you've been born again, if you've been raptured, we're going to have the rapture, marriage, supper of the Lamb in the sky. The Bible says we'll go straight to fight on behalf of Israel at the Battle of Armageddon. It's Revelation 19. You can read down through there. So, at this time, Jesus is going to send the Antichrist and the false prophet to the lake of fire. Revelation 19, 20. The Bible says, And the beast, the Antichrist, was taken, and with him the false prophet, that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that have received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. He used those image to deceive people, to get them to pledge allegiance to this Antichrist figure, these both will be cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. And because of their iniquities, their deceitfulness, the leader of the world government, the Antichrist, the head of the global religious system, you say, but he's religious. Just because you're religious does not mean that you will be saved. You've got to be, Jesus said, except a man's born again, he can enter and see the kingdom of God. Just because somebody says, well, I'm religious, you got to get it right. So 
the Antichrist, and then the head of this global religious system, the false prophet, they're both going to be cast alive into the lake of fire. Wouldn't that be horrible to say I'm religious and to believe somebody was saved, but then in the end not make it? The Bible says that there will be people that stand before God in the end time and say, Hey, Lord, didn't we do many mighty great things in your work, in your name, and all these, and look at what we've done, Lord. And he's going to say, Now depart from me, you work of iniquity. I don't even know who you are. I don't even know you. What a horrible travesty that would be. We've got to get our salvation right. We've got to be born again. Jesus told Nicodemus, except a man's born again, you can't enter or see the kingdom of God. I want to be a part of the kingdom of God. And so I've got to be born again. It's of utmost importance. If you, if you, I don't have time to go through the whole thing today. If you want a brochure, what do you mean born again? 1-800-END-TIME, 1-800-363-8463. Ask for your free brochure. Go to endtime.com. How to be born again. And so it's endtime.com slash reborn. Now, it's at this time, at the Battle of Armageddon, that Satan's placed into the bottomless pit for the next 1,000 years. We're getting into the millennial reign. Now, I was talking to you. I was going to try to help you with this end-time scenario. The rapture, the second coming of Jesus Christ, the millennial reign. When does all this stuff take place? Did it take place back in 70 A.D., as some people believe? Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 3 uh, John said, I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key to the bottomless pit. He laid a great hand, uh, a great chain in his hand, and he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent which is the devil and Satan, and he binds him for that thousand years, cast him into the bottomless pit, shuts him up, puts a seal on him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that he must be loosed a short season. So the reason we have so many problems in our world today is because people of the world are deceived. The nations are deceived. I mean, look at the chaos and just perilous times that are happening right now in our world. But when Satan is bound, he'll not, he's not going to be able to deceive anymore. He will be bound for a thousand years. So it's at this time that we crown Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. Revelation 17, 14, the Bible says, These shall make war with the Lamb. The, the world governing armies, they're actually going to fight against Jesus when He comes back. But it's, it's not even going, there's not even competition. The Bible says, And the Lamb shall overcome them, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with Him are called, chosen, and faithful. When Christ returns to establish His kingdom, the ten kings in alliance with the Antichrist... They're going to fight against him, but Jesus is going to overcome them because he's Lord of lords and King of kings. There, there, there's no, not even any comparison here. There's nothing to compare God to. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipresent. So the best thing to do is put your hand in his hand and let him lead and guide you through these end times, right? Well, now we come to the millennial reign, part of my topic. Revelation 1.6, the Bible says, and he hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Revelation 20, verse 4 through 6. I saw thrones, they that sat upon them. Judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of God. 
and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark in their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. These are the people that are raptured. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This, these people, the people that were raptured, this is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and they shall reign a thousand years. It's going to be perfect peace on earth for the next 1,000 years. The saints who are immortal will rule and reign with the Lord in His kingdom, and it's going to be governed according to biblical principles. So we have the millennial reign on earth, Revelation 5.10, And He has made us unto God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. It's not a, 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 a mythical, spiritual, it will be spiritual, but it's actually going to be a physical kingdom here on the earth. Uh, a perfect time of peace. Isaiah 11, 6-8. The wolf will lie down with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the young lion and the fatling together. The little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear will feed together. Uh, the young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like ox. The suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp, which is a poisonous snake. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. And the immortal saints will rule over mortal, the immortal saints will rule over mortal saints, and even the animals will no longer kill each other. It's going to be a time of perfect peace, everybody. And this is the millennial reign. And that is the end time scenario. At the end of that, we have the great white throne of judgment, and we move off into eternity. The Bible's very clear. It lays this out in great detail. And I wanted to kind of maybe clear up some of these misconceptions uh, because the, the Bible, God, is not the author of confusion. And so there are not two or three or four or ten different end time scenarios. There is the end time scenario. And I want to know the truth. Don't you?